Welcome to the Dramatized Podcast. I'm Kelsey Maple. And I'm Lisa Ellis. Today we're going to be talking about episodes four and five of Rookie Historian Guheran. Yes, yes, yes. Let's jump into it. We pick up with Doan discovering Heirang has snuck into the palace through the Noxodong Gardens. They recognize each other as Mewa and Sparrow, which as we said is very cute, and they're both equally confused why the other is there. Doan realizes that Heirang is a female historian and seems very satisfied by this discovery. He wonders what a historian is doing in the in inner palace where she is not supposed to be, and when Heirang tries to leave, he threatens to summon someone over to report her. Heirang puts her hands over Doan's mouth to shut him up and he just about has a heart attack. I know the music that starts <laughs> yeah. playing. It's like we get that so little funny. like cue but he's like legit like about to pass out. I know. <laughs> she's like someone's touching me. Uh, well, <laughs> okay I was about to have like a sad moment like sad hours oh, open. But no one like, touches yeah, yeah. <laughs> he touches him. <laughs> In any capacity. Yeah. It's true. Yeah Tell he only she's really sad and I was just like oh okay. It is. It is kind of sad. But I like during that argument that they're having before then that like again like he finally has an upper hand over her for like mm -hmm. a short period of time. <laughs> yeah. It's, he's like oh, oh, oh how yeah. fancy meeting you here where you're not supposed to be. So Heirang doesn't seem to think much of keeping her hand over his mouth. Yeah. I do have to think that two people who are pretty much still strangers particularly in this society where men and women aren't supposed to touch uh, and are kept separated. This is a very funny thing for her to do and that she doesn't really care about yeah. it. I think it kind of just shows that Heirang is like, doesn't even think romantically, yeah. particularly about him. Yeah. yeah, or like, because like, well, she's been like Miss Propriety and just being like, you shouldn't be doing this to this. You should be speaking to me this way. That she's That's just true. like, smack my hand over your face. Yeah. And then he's just, don't touch me. Or like, why are you like, I don't yeah. remember what he said. He's, he's like, shook. why are you judging? Well, he just like points at the hand. He's yeah, like, eh, eh, and she's, that, at that point, she's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. But she still doesn't seem to like be embarrassed by it. She's just like, oh, okay, whatever. No, yeah. So Doan brings up how he's still mad at Heirang for standing him up the night before, but she is confused and is like, what are you talking about? He tells her about the letter, which she says she didn't get, and then flips it on him. So immediately, upper hand has been lost. And she kind of make, makes fun of him for being so offended about her missing this date that she never agreed to and didn't even know about. And is like, do you not know how society works? And he's like, no, I, I don't. And then she starts giving him the definition of an appointment. She's like, this is what yeah. an appointment is, and this is how it's conducted. And it was hilarious. Yeah, she uh, takes him down pretty immediately. So luckily, the prince is cut off before he has to answer why he knows nothing about social civility. And Sambo shows up, and he's thoroughly annoyed at Heirang for having somehow snuck in the inner palace. Doan exposes her as Heirang, aka a female historian, aka the fake Meiwa. Mm -hmm. So Sambo covers up for Doan by hiding that he's a prince, but this only makes Doan more confused. Sambo explains this was necessary since based on past experience, Heirang is not a discreet woman oh, and would expose that Meiwa is oh. a prince, which could cause big trouble with your old dad, the king. Sambo thinks the king would behead Doan if his identity were revealed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I definitely thought Sambo calling Heirang <laughs> a indiscreet woman is great because of the double connotation there. Also, I like when he's like pulling her away from like the conversation where he's trying to cover up that Doan is a prince. He's just like, keep your mouth shut. And yeah. Doan's like, did he just speak 
like talk down yeah. to me and I thought that was really he was funny. like this bitch but then like yeah. I love how was just like you idiot think about it for a second yes <laughs> and then I like how uh, at the end of their conversation with after like Sambo calls Heirang like an indiscreet woman or whatever Prince Doan like can't do anything about this but Mewa on the other hand yeah so like they come like co-conspirators they're like, and they're just like oh okay like th- and Sambo's like think about it just think really hard about it I know I like that Sambo's now invested and, yeah too. and then Doan's just like that meme of all the math going around Doan's <laughs> face and then it's just like ding he gets it that's exactly what it is so Doan is upset because you mean I can't do anything even though I know my enemy is here which is funny because he is sort of being a brat and also flexing his royal power not that he really has any yeah and also because what enemy boy like do we need to rewind five minutes to when you were Gugu Gaga over this girl and like a Victorian lady fainting at her touch like I don't know why he still hasn't caught on to his own feelings but um men men so Doan just what sorry i just made a <laughs> connection what, it scared me because you were just like he has just like connected his feelings or like to his feelings and that made me think of tamaki <laughs> with haruhi right <laughs> like sort of except for <laughs> Doan's a little girl <laughs> but daddy is not usually <laughs> <one> to... <laughs> imagine Doan calling himself daddy <laughs> Teddy's little girl. Teddy can't be running around being a female historian. Does that mean Sambo Kyoya? <laughs> and the, and the maids are making her the twins. All right, this has been the Iran High School Host Club podcast. Thanks for watching, everybody. My cheeks are so bad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry, I've taken us off the rails. No, that's what we're here for. Uh, just wants an apology yeah right <laughs> so sambo says he can still continue striking down heirang as mewa mm-hmm. our dear historians are horrendously hungover from their harrowing night of hazing yeah. heirang finally makes it to the office and they're all shocked that she is one recovered from drinking and two got past the guard who's supposed to block her they're all upset but secretly i think they're a little impressed yeah but i like at the beginning of that scene everybody's talking about how like heirang hasn't come in yet or like yeah and like kind of talking bad about her officer yang is like starting to not underestimate her yeah and i was like Ooh. I, yeah i like how he's starting to not underestimate her so begins the rise of president heirang <laughs> the female historians are tasked with cleaning the library but the other girls are so impressed with Heirung's victorious sacrifice from the night before that they do her work for her well except for Sahi yeah. who takes Heirung outside to have a little chat mm-hmm. Sahi basically says thanks but no thanks for sticking up for me last night she says she can take care of herself and was somewhat offended by Heirung's unwanted help Heirung is surprisingly receptive of this request and they mm-hmm. both separate like adults um, so what did you think of Sahi asking for Heirung to back off I kind of didn't understand it but I mean if I like think about it harder I guess she doesn't want to owe anybody any favors yeah so I guess like that's why she was like I don't want you to like do things for me because then I feel like I'm gonna have to owe you something in return maybe I definitely think that's part of it yeah and I think I I guess I understood her more than I thought I would because I I see where she's coming from it might just be a personality thing Mm -hmm. Because it's like, yes, Heirang met well, and I think did a great thing, but it did, in turn, make Sahi especially look weak 
for trying to stick up for herself and failing. Mm. And like, if you've been on the receiving end of unasked for help or advice, then you can see how it would come across as patronizing or belittling, even if it isn't intended that way, particularly in front of an audience like this was. So I think it, it plays to her characterization of she is also a very prideful girl who's trying to break these stereotypes. Yeah. And so she isn't malicious or trying to undermine yeah. Heidrung, but she is also independent and trying to appear strong. So it's kind of like Heidrung stole her thunder. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that, yeah. And I was very, very proud of Heidrung being yeah. so receptive of that. Yeah, like, I apologize. Like, I, I hear you loud and clear. Like, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, the I whole was interaction very, was great. Because yeah. it wasn't like that he was like, you bitch, you did this. She was just like, hey, don't do it again. And Heidrung was like, oh, okay. It was like a really civil exchange. Yes. I think, again, nice, especially when you have like the male historians kind of counterimposing that by yes. being so emotional. <laughs> emotional and ridiculous? Yes. Yeah. So it, yes. It, it was nice. So next, our gals get stopped by the head court lady and a retinue of court ladies and told to follow along. They are taken to an audience with the queen dowager. They're all very uncomfortable except for Sahi and try not to do something to offend Her Majesty. The Queen Dowager ends up being very kind and nice, or at least she seems to. I'm honestly not sold on whether she was in on this plot or not. I think she has ulterior motives. Uh, that's kind of I my think impression. She, I too. think she is kind, but I think she I think she is kind in general, and like that's not really a facade, but I think she was kind of laying it on thicker because she has ulterior motives yeah well i think she does know because going back to when she had that meeting with the crown prince that the female historians getting into the palace does not advantage her in any way and that mm -hmm. she knows that there's going to be at least one spy among them for the mm -hmm. ssc so i yeah. think she's like hey I, i'm looking out for you but also i'm mm -hmm. i'm looking out for you yeah yeah <laughs> so our historian gals are glowing from the queen dowager's kind words on their way back to the office when they're once again summoned by the court ladies they get into this like sharks versus jets situation in a palace back alley which I didn't even know they made those <laughs> and get physically taken down I honestly expect more from Heirung in this moment but I'll give her the benefit of the doubt since she was taken by surprise and the head court lady smacks Heirung across the face and yells at her for not respecting the rules of the women of the inner court this escalates hella quickly when the court ladies pull out a hot poker and threaten if you run your mouth thoughtlessly I shall sear it if you steal anything I shall cut your hands off and if you lose your chastity you will be beheaded the head court lady warns that they should be blind deaf and mindless and not pay attention to anything they see or hear that they should just lie low and be elate she asks the female historians if they understand but no one answers until Heirung argues that they're historians and should not have to follow the inner court's laws. The head court lady mocks her and says that just because they pass the examination, they won't be treated like a man, since all women are his majesty's women the moment they enter the palace. So there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> I had the sassy thought. So whenever the court lady says that they, they should be blind and deaf and like all that stuff, when she's like, tell me you understand, I wanted one of them to be like, I'm blind and deaf. Like, how can I respond to like what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, was, what do you want me to really say? I'm blind and deaf. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. blind, deaf, and mute. Like, what? What more do you want me I to didn't do? Hear like, you. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. but it's like that wasn't called for in this moment. But that would it was intense. Yeah, like that was such like they apparently later on we find out that that may have been a hazing ritual. Well, I but think I it was know. hazing sort of to the extreme. Yeah, of like but like, a, like this is your, uh, the interesting part there is the, you are his majesty's women, which yes. is historically accurate from what I, I found from about court ladies, is yeah. that it's like once they enter the palace, they are considered owned by yeah. the king. And so it's like yeah. whatever the king wants to do with them, he's allowed to do with them. Yeah. And like they serve him and only him. And so it's like you have these women who aren't under that rule and that 
I think it kind of is like the way the historians are yeah. like, oh, you guys didn't go through what we went through. Yeah. The female historians didn't. So like we have to do this hazing thing. I think probably the court ladies feel that to some extent of, or why are you exempted from yeah. being under these laws? Like why do you get to act like Amanda's, which they specifically say. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was just amazed because it, it showed such a contrast between the male historians and like their hazing rituals yeah, and how they're kind of, they're kind of silly and like kind of ridiculous and mostly just annoying. Mm -hmm. Whereas the court ladies hazing ritual is terrifying. Yes. And like, it's like, I'm going to like, if you steal anything, I will cut off your hands. Like, and then she takes that branding iron and like comes at Haydong's face. Like she's going to burn, like, oh my, like brand her. And it just shows that stark contrast. Also, I feel like it shows that contrast, how women are held to such a higher standard. Mm -hmm. These are the things you have to do. And if you do not do them, you will be severely punished. Exactly. Cause the historians things like, uh, oh, you're not one of the boys. Yeah. You, whereas this is these are the rules you don't follow them you die yes like yes. this is your only place in society and if you step out of it you have no place here yes it yeah it who it was it, for, it turned it up to 10 yes because like this is usually a show that's like pretty light-hearted mm-hmm. and like all that stuff but this there was a total tonal shift and i think it showed a very interesting side of like what it was like to be a woman in that day and age and a woman in the palace and then the female historians aren't under that umbrella and so it's like almost like they're trying to find their place right in the palace they're like in this limbo where they're not seen as men and they're not seen as women so where do they fit in and and nobody's there looking out for them nobody considers them part of them and they're not part of any group yeah which is it's really sad if you think about it like i could understand the stress also do you think that court lady was actually gonna brand hate on because like if you watch her hand shaking and her eyes are like slightly watery. So do you think she was actually gonna do it to Hanon? Yeah, I, I I guess I saw that as more like an anger thing. Oh. I devil I did not doubt her for an instant. Oh. I slightly did. I thought I thought it came off as like she didn't want to do it and that's why she was shaking. Hmm. Because she was wanting Haydong to like say something or like apologize or do something so she didn't have to brand her. So the head court lady goes to burn Haydong, but the historians come in at the last minute to save her. Officer Min and the head court lady argue about who the female historians belong to, the inner court or the office of royal decrees. The historians end up rescuing our gals and escorting them back to the office. On the way back, the historians talk about how they're afraid of the court ladies if that is their hazing ritual, which I think is very funny since it goes totally against the idea of women being fragile and delicate creatures. Yeah. But also, it's totally understandable since that was crazy. Yes. Officer Yang, the head historian, berates the girls for not taking care of themselves and falling into the court ladies' trap. Basically, he's upset the historians who should carry some weight and requires others to follow proper protocols were so easily ordered around, even to the Queen Dowager. Apprentice Ho speaks up angrily because how could they have known the proper protocol or to be wary of the court ladies when their own people the other historians don't look out for them and tell them these things which you go girl yes like round of applause for her that was amazing it needed to be said because basically they get treated like dirt by the historians so of course everyone's going to treat them like dirt yes like if you don't even respect us our own people Mm -hmm. how are we going to get respect yeah. So the whole scene, really interesting. And then having Apprentice Ho speak up is just a gr- 
great way to wrap it all up. Because yes. not only is it great, a great character development in her character and great to see that Heirung is not the only woman with agency mm-hmm. in this yeah. group, but it was actually an excellent way to summarize how these poor women are stuck in this massive gray area between government official and servant, and also man and woman. Mm-hmm. Their role in society is unclear, and so no one knows how to deal with them, and so far everyone just treats them really poorly because mm-hmm. they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also like how Sahi, at the very end, yeah. was just like, she's not wrong. Yeah. And then she bows and then walks away. I feel like that just put like a very good touch to like the end of that argument because yeah. they all walk off and you think that Sai's just going to stand there and just be like, whatever. But then she's just like, she's not wrong. And then goes and follows the other female historians. And I think that was nice because like so far you're not sure which side Sai's right. on. But after that, I was like, okay, she's like, she's with these girls. Yeah. For sure. So Apprentice Ho goes off sobbing and all the girls comfort her, including Sahi, if only from a distance. Mm-hmm. And it's a really heartbreaking scene of her regretting becoming a female historian because of the way she's being treated. And I'm sure it's a similar sentiment that many people who step outside the status quo mm-hmm. in any capacity feel. Yeah. She's being punished even though she didn't do anything wrong. Heirung tells Apprentice Ho she's proud of her, which just really got yeah. me and was so endearing. Yeah, I just, I think that the whole scene with the court ladies and the mm-hmm. hazing mm-hmm. and Apprentice Ho speaking, yeah, I think it's just an excellent scene all it around. Is, I is. really like that. So our historian boys are back in the office and looking rather pitiful they won't admit it but they do feel bad and somewhat responsible for what happened Mm -hmm. officer min says he will begin teaching the female historians actual historian duties and officer young agrees because i think he feels a lot more guilty than he lets on yes yes because like during that scene whenever um erang is like shouting at them he i think it really hit him hard like what all the things she was saying because like you just see his face and he's just like not he can't even look them in the eyes yeah whenever she's saying all that and so yeah i think he definitely feels really really guilty and about everything that happened mm-hmm. so. for sure so the other historians start furiously objecting because it took them months before they were even allowed to hold a brush but officer young shuts them down immediately so he is a secret good boy mm-hmm. we cut to ye old printing press which is getting ambushed by some hooligans the printing press is printing copies of the story of Hodam. The hooligans actually end up being terrible and murderous and start killing all the workers, which is definitely not according to due process. Nope. <laughs> so I don't think that they are government officials. <laughs> so we're back in Hanyang, where the second state counselor is meeting with Hei Rung's brother at his home. The SSC reveals he offered Jae Kyung the position of third inspector, but Jae Kyung hasn't accepted yet. Jae Kyung says he doesn't think he is the right person for the role. No specifics are given, so I doubt this will hold up against the SSC. And surprise, it doesn't. The SSC says he is fond of Jae Kyung because he has seen him at his lowest point, which is an interesting nugget of information, which I am definitely storing for later. The SSC implies he has seen Jae Kyung be ruthless, so we definitely get the hint that Jae yeah. Kyung has a dark past. Yes. It's like, what has he done? Yeah. So... Yeah, because up until this point, he's been just the goodest boy. Yeah. So the SSC also reveals he has discovered where the story of Hotam is being printed, which means he sent those murderous hooligans, so we know he can be ruthless as hell. Oh, yeah. He wants Jae Kyung in the palace to root out who is in there, besides the Queen Dowager, because this is beyond a group of ladies, which is a funny thing to say. (laughs) Um, Who in there is working to spread the story of Hodam? Jae Kyung looks very conflicted, but the SSC says it is an order. So we definitely get this idea that Jae Kyung, there's something there that he cannot deny the SSC. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder on what authority he's giving this order. We're back to Noksadong, where the court ladies are waiting for Heirung as she leaves work. So she follows them, which like, 
Hey, no, did we just learn this lesson about following ladies? I, oh, yeah. Like, Girl. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I guess since those court ladies weren't with, like, the I mean, main I guess. group, <laughs> I guess she was like, oh, I think they're fine. But I, I think guess, so. But yeah, it was just yeah, like, you literally just almost had your, like, tongue burned out. That <laughs> is so funny. That You're so I, trusting. They tell Heirung to go inside to meet the prince, and it's Sambo hiding behind a screen. <laughs> Meanwhile, Doan is dressed up like the Princess Unik, so I generally don't understand this scheme. They're just a bunch of idiots, and they're like, <laughs> they're making Doan dress up as like seven people here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Heirung is like, you're an Unik now? Yeah. And Which, it, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you bored? I'm sorry, I was yawning. <laughs> I'm boring her. <laughs> no, I think I'm just really hungry, and so my body's like, you're Aww. tired. <laughs> So I'm just like, I'm just okay, waiting to eat my peanut butter crackers. We'll get you some food. Thanks. So Doan uh, does this really meta thing where he chews out Heirung, pretending as if he is speaking for the prince, which he actually is, since he's the prince. I know. You get it. So the result is Heirung must do what Doan wants in order to earn forgiveness. So uh, like top on the list of like desperate ways to spend time with Bay. And I don't think he even realizes like 100% what he's doing. Because I think he thinks he's punishing her, but like it's so clear that he's just like, spend time with me. Doan makes Heirung clean out cobwebs, scrubs the floor, dust, etc. After the poor gal has had a full day of work already. But the two do get to spend time together, so it gets played off as a classic, like, boy is an ass to girl, but we throw in some cute music, so you smile. <laughs> um, so Heirung manages to mess with Doan in the process, of course, which is great, and especially funny when you consider that how she is doing all this to a prince and doesn't know it. Yeah. Doan tells her she must come back every day to work for forgiveness from the prince. And Heirung, like, sees straight through it. And yep. is like, how about I don't? And just yep. pieces out. So she's like, give my regards to the prince. Like, tell him I'm so sorry. But yeah. she definitely is like, you're, you're doing this. The prince yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. And then as she's leaving, she apologizes for insulting Mewa's novels. And Doan looks really struck. And like, wow, finally. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Heirung qualifies that she feels badly since she now understands she was making fun of someone who couldn't experience love firsthand since he, as an eunuch, is missing what a man should have, which is makes so it cold. Seem, it makes it seem like they don't have penises. Well, but they, like, I don't know, this is like Game of Thrones stuff all over again. See, okay, <laughs> yes. This is a thing that, okay, like, it was very cold, and I could see how people are like, oh, like, that kind of thing. But I think it's stupid. Okay, <laughs> it's like, it goes on. beyond cold to, like, it's really like, mean. Yes, because it's like, well, well and it, 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 she like, says that, she, she doesn't, because she doesn't say, like, oh, I feel bad because you can't make the sex. Man. She says, I feel bad that you can't love someone. So that's, like, yeah. really dehumanizing. Because yes. Luna could absolutely love someone. Yes. It's like, balls do not make a man. You don't need balls to be a man. No. That, yeah, which is such a, because it does, I don't know if the show is self-aware in this part. I kind of don't think it is. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's probably playing into the historical context of the time, like, that line. Right. Like, but I do think it's funny for a show that seems to, like, so clearly discuss male and female roles yes. and they continue to have Unux as a punchline of yes. like oh you're not really a man either which sort of it works with that sentiment of even Heirung plays into the idea of this is what a man should be even yeah. though it's funny because she herself is not what a female should be yes oh that is such a good point <laughs> oh but yeah so I was just really that was like one of the times where I was like upset with the show because it's just like I just really want mm. it's just like yeah balls do not make a mm. balls do not mm. make a man so yes, this 
show should definitely be called Savage Historian. <laughs> so I don't know what the score is at this point, but I definitely think it's weighted in Hayring Savers. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> because that was like worth 10 points. Oh, oh my gosh, was that cold? Yeah. So then we get a great scene where Solgum sees Hayring is like super happy about taking down Doan again, but she interrupts and she interprets it as Hayring having a big old crush and gets yeah. so adorably excited. She like throws this I know. basket into the corner of the room. I love this scene. And it's just it's so relatable as like a stereotypical woman thing and like honestly it is accurate it's like, accurate. Like, it's like when your friend's like well and you're like spill yeah it's just like either it's like either you got tea or any yeah. kind of tea to spill and you're just like tell me yeah, what like, is show, happening show me a picture what's his name yeah, what's, yeah, his what's his blood time <laughs> what's his blood <laughs> let me run an what astrology does he do? chart what is his yeah. family like like what is his zodiac sign yeah what is exactly. his enneagram type like you need to <laughs> tell me what's his favorite me? show what's his what's hogwarts it? house yes what is his hogwarts house uh, so, poor Solgum gets a sad surprise when Heirang reveals the man she's thinking of is not romantic. At which point, Solgum leaves because if there's no chance of Heirang getting laid, then, like, she's out. She's like, I don't care anymore. Like, <laughs> this sad girl. I know, she was like, I don't even care if you two take a bath together. Right? And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I think you should care a little bit. I yeah. Mean, like, if it's an Unuk, does it just not count? It doesn't count. <laughs> I just like they do be like, honey, it was an unic. It doesn't count. I know exactly. It's <laughs> so just like it's like there's flaws in the logic here. I no, think I definitely think. I think they played up to the comedy a lot, and I did think it was a super funny scene, and it did it did make sense because I think Solgum isn't supposed to be a super deep character, so yeah. it was very much like as soon as Hadering was just like, yeah, I know he's an unic. She's like, oh okay, whatever. Like, like oh okay, like you ain't getting married one way yeah. or another. Yeah. So next we see a woman with her face covered discovering the destroyed printing press and one man still survives. The mystery woman carefully stitches up his wound. Sambo is at his house and greets a woman as his wife. We see it is the mystery woman from the scene before. And going back, I'm still honestly so confused how he has a wife. So I hope yes. this is explained later. But Sambo is actually so sweet and He's gentle so with her. Sweet. It's adorable. But you see the tombstone. Yes, next, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I yeah, got I excited. <laughs> yeah, the woman goes in a closet and I wrote, gasp, reveals the gravestone of Hodam that Doan discovered at the bath bathhouse in the previous episode. That's why I think Sambo dug it up. Okay. It's because he had it. Oh. That's and actually a good point. Because I guess it. I thought that she took it back, but you're right. Maybe it wasn't yeah. him. I think it was him. But it's so interesting because he doesn't seem to recognize her as badass ninja character. No. He's very much like, oh, honey. I get the impression that Sambo is somehow in on this scheme yes, and knows Doan's identity. Definitely, yeah. I think so too. This was my theory that she is an anamorph and could become a dog. And so she was a dog. <laughs> it's a fantasy show. <laughs> I just want an explanation. So we're at the Office of Royal Decrees, and the gals are getting a breakdown of the historian hierarchy. Hooray, bureaucracy! The female historians then get taken to their first task. They're sitting in on the royal meeting that day. Of course, some counselors have to be asses about having women in the meeting and are like, oh my gosh, a woman's in here. She's tainting the royal <laughs> decrees. <laughs> it's it's very funny. and It's so dramatic. It just goes to, yeah, go to show that, like, despite the stereotype that women are the dramatic ones, it's like these men are like, oh, Oh my gosh! Is it? Anyway, I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> well, I do. I love Officer Min's line. Well, they're not women; they're historians. Yeah, and it's cute because they finally are defended by someone, and they yeah. finally belong. Yeah. It, it was a turning point, I think. Yeah. Sambo and Doan are having fun back at Donksadong, pretending to be each other. And the main takeaway is they reveal Officer Min was the childhood friend and study partner of the Crown Prince. Yes. So Officer Min 
Very influential guy. Mm-hmm. So back in the royal meeting, an urgent letter. A flood has killed hundreds of people in a village. We see the crown prince's capabilities and kindness as he quickly thinks of a solution to the crisis. Why am I being so alliterative in this episode? <laughs> I was not intentional that time. We see that he truly cares for the welfare of his subjects. But his counselors contradict him and want to punish the citizens for avoiding taxes rather than helping them during their time of need. The current political situation is messed up. But our boy, the prince, calls out these aristocrats for never having to pay taxes themselves. Um, He gets quite heated, and dare I say, it's a little hot. (laughs) I mean, yes. Literally, my notes, I was like, I swear the crown prince is the only one who has sense. And I love his speech about taxes. Like, yes, BB, you call them out. Right? Like, well, just the way that, like, he gets, like, you could tell he actually cares, and he just, like, takes them down. Yes. And it's just like, yes, we love a revolutionary. Yes. (laughs) And, like, everything, but, like, the thing is, is that everything he says makes sense. Like, it's not, it's not like he comes, he's coming from, like, an emotional place, which he is. Like, he cares about these people, but, like, also he's coming from a very logical place. Absolutely. Where it's like, why are you putting this burden on these poor people? You're forcing them to give more than what they have, so obviously they can't pay these things. And it's like, but you aren't paying taxes, and, like, the noble aren't paying taxes, and now the middle class aren't paying taxes, like, where you guys can't afford to pay these taxes right. and like you can't complain about like oh we're, we're gonna run out of money then if you're not contributing exactly it, it, it's very obvious hypocrisy yes and it's nice that he calls it out and then it's like this like what i'm suggesting is like what a king this is a king's responsibility mm-hmm. and that's when yeah also i like because we cut to sahi and i think we like literally see her fall in love yes. with him like in front of our eyes i mean <laughs> i felt that yeah. so much because girls saying me too me too then the king enters and ruins everything by shutting down the crown prince and taking his leadership back and it doesn't seem like he's going to be offering aid as we leave um and also it's so frustrating to see this happen because it it seems like like everything's just falling down in front of our eyes and like you can see the crown prince's frustration how he can't do anything about it and like we can't do anything about it and then it's even worse because his father comes in and basically just publicly humiliates him yes so, um, and it's like, why are you calling yourself the king whenever I'm still around? Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, dude, you you made him the, the regent. regent. Yeah. yeah. So after the meeting, Haderung tries to give her opinion on the situation, but Officer Min shuts her down since it's not a historian's place to give their opinion. Mm-hmm. He says, if you record what you think, then that will only end up being a journal, not a record of history. Which I think is interesting because when we see him, he's like, in my opinion, in his notes. Exactly. Then, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely gives that idea of like, oh, he seems like he's very cold and austere yeah. on the outside. Yeah. But it means that he feels very deeply. Yeah. But I also get that sense that he's warning her because he sees yeah. her or himself in her. Yes. And so, I, it's more like, it's like teach them like the correct ways to do it so that like he wants it's like i'm gonna teach you the rules exactly so that when you so that you can bend them very specifically like grammar yeah (laughs) (laughs) or it's like i don't want you to end up like me because i have done this thing and i don't know who knows yeah and i definitely i have a feeling that it's going to be very difficult for heirong since she is very opinionated yeah and that's what we love about her. Yes. So the counselors are having a greasy little chat after the meeting, and they complain about how the crown prince is acting like he's the king, even though he is just in line for the throne, which I think is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of like gives him the right. Mm-hmm. He has power. He is going to be your king. 
That is indeed how succession works. Yes. <laughs> so they don't like his ideas, saying he'll soon learn who the real leader of this country is. Ooh, that's treasonous. Yep. And uh, they wonder if they're serving the crown prince or the dethroned king, which makes this SSC super mad and is super interesting. That's the first mention of a dethroned king. Like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. oh, there's a dethroned king? Like, well, what happened to him? Why was he dethroned? Like, mm -hmm. how recently was he dethroned? Ooh, it's just, there's just so many questions that come up. And why is the SSC so mad about the dethroned king being brought up in this situation? It definitely seems like the SSC had some part in the dethroned king. Yeah. And that whoever that was, was some kind of idealist. And so we're in the current shitty situation because he's not on the throne anymore. Because is the dethroned king, going back to the queen, dowager queen, queen dowager, whoever she is, her flashback to when yeah. they have that succession. So it's like, was that the, the dethroned king? Like, was the SSC a part of dethroning that right. king? Like, was like, it Hodom? But then it's like, that goes yeah. back to like, if it is Hodom, everybody would know his name. Yes. This is why I'm so interested to see how this plays out. Yeah. Because I just don't understand how it can be this secretive yeah so the historians are making fun of the girls for their messy handwriting in their notes from the first meeting which bless their hearts as a fellow ugly handwriting person like can relate <laughs> officer min brings out a record of appearance that contains a picture and description of all the officials so that the historians can learn who is who yeah that's so nice and they spend a long time talking about it so i'm assuming it will be important later heirung gives a saucy little thank you to officer min since oh. passing on the record of appearance is sort of an acknowledgement of yeah. them as true historians and Officer Min just like fails to react. Yeah, he's just like blank face, just like mm. it's very it's like, okay, definitely socially stunted. <laughs> uh the Crown Prince has taken refuge in Nok Sadong, and Doan mentions that he comes often in his free time, which it's is so super cute. cute. Since we've mainly seen the devilish side of Doan, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. nice to see that he also is a source of strength and love for his brother. Yeah. I don't know why I said love like that. <laughs> it's not, it's brotherly love. <laughs> But then they well, talk about the princess, and it's like people, people, this is why people assume you don't like the yeah. princess, and it's like, ooh. So yeah, we get that that's not the happiest of marriages. Because he and, thinks that she's a spy. Right. For the SSC. Exactly, because her father is the second state counselor. Yeah. So, like, I understand, that is complicated and not fun to yeah. think your wife is a spy. Yes. <laughs> so, I, I definitely understand the Crown Prince. I was, gonna, I was like, can I go on this rant about like, and she's married to such a great man. I know, yes, do the rant. Because it's like, I, but like what I find very commendable about the crown prince, it's like, it's like he, she's your wife, so you could still get it on. Like if it's like you wanted to. Oh, wow. But he's just like, I, I'm not even like attracted to her in that way because she could backstab me. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wow. that emotional connection. Yeah. Which is so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me love him more. Well, I'm also wondering, like, this might be thinking way too deep, but it's mm -hmm. like, he, maybe he's worried if he has a kid with her, that that kid would also fall under. Oh. Oh, I didn't even the think influence about that. of the SSC. Yeah. So he's like, I don't want to make this any worse than it is. Oh, that's so true. That I don't know. Sucks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's Which true. like we haven't seen her yet, so we don't know if she actually is a spy. That's true. Yeah. But, I know. I, I tend he could to, be. He, um, she could be like Officer Min. Right. Yeah. So exactly. Like, who knows? Yeah. She is like him, but the female version. <laughs> We haven't met her yet. We don't know. No. 
So a counselor comes to report to the Crown Prince about the attack on the printing press. And I'm glad at least someone we finally see is on the Crown Prince's side. Like not all the counselors are against him. And Doan is waiting outside where he overhears the counselor tell the Crown Prince that the books being printed were called the story of Hodom. And he reacts because it's the name from the grave. Mm -hmm. So we move to the SSC who is getting a report from his murderous hooligan that one man from the printing press was still alive thanks to a crazy medical practice that doesn't exist in Joseon. The stitches we saw the mystery woman giving to the lone survivor. Yeah. So the SSC is worried that the man might say something about the attack and orders some more murder. Murder. Our historian gals are going to attend an autopsy and it's of the bodies from the printing press. They are handling the macabre situation far better than their male counterparts, which is so accurate because men are babies. Yeah. Well, I thought it was so funny whenever they were like going to go see the body. Somebody said, it's less freaky when the sun is out. I think it was like Officer Young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's just like, it's less freaky when the sun's out. And it's just like, that's so funny. Because like, have you ever been around a dead body? It's freaky. When have you been around a dead body? My granddad had an open casket. Oh, okay. And so... (laughs) My my granddad had a a open casket funeral, and so like you could go up and like see him. It was Mm -hmm. so freaky. I think that's natural. And like my skin crawled because like it's like at any moment you just expect them to like open their eyes and just sit up and be like, "Hey, what's up?" And you're just like, "Well, it's also I think seeing like I think there's a natural reaction to being like, "This is death. I don't want to see it because I want to avoid it." Yeah, that too. (laughs) But yeah, dead bodies are just scary. Also, like. Dead bodies are smell really weird. Yeah, yeah, which we do see because when they go down there, yeah, like the the male historians are like basically throwing up because yeah. <laughs> of the smell, yeah. and I think also the sight. Yeah, because like I went to a monastery in Spain, and just all these caskets were just mm. lining the walls, mm-hmm. and and you could smell the dead bodies. It, uh, it smelled like sweet dirt, and it's just like that sweet sweet dirt. It's, it smelled like earth, but like a sickly sweet smell. Well, it was probably like the smell of decay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I, I feel them in that moment, too. But, like, also, yeah, men are babies. No, I just think it's... Well, it, it's funny because they put it as, like, oh, women. Like, girls are going to be scared. Don't be scared. But really, yeah. the girls are like, yeah, it's fine. Just like, like whenever they think it's like, oh, ladies, you're going to faint at the sight of blood. And it's yeah. just like, um, you know what we do once a month, right? <laughs> We're very Which, familiar like, with great blood. Because, like, Officer Young, he's, like, straight up, like, she's the man in the situation. Walks with, like, tampons in his nose. I know. <laughs> I know they're not tampons because it doesn't, they don't exist, but damn, yeah. it looks like tampons. Yeah, she's the man. That is such a good reference. I think I stole it from you because you mentioned it Oh, yeah, I did. Whenever I got hit in the nose and I put tampons on yeah. my nose. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, Heirong is, of course, interested in the survivor and this crazy new medical practice yeah. because she's crazy bitch. Um, <laughs> no, actually, she's our science gal. Yes. So, everyone else is disgusted by the idea of a man being sewn up like a blanket. Yes. Um, so, she wants to go in to see the survivor, but they don't let her. Because she thinks she knows what it is, like, what's been done right. to him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm, she's read about it. Because she's like, it's a Western medicine that's, mm-hmm. like, it's called stitches. Mm-hmm. And so, she wants to, like, see if she's right. Yeah, but they basically, I think the excuse is they want to go home. So they're like, no. (laughs) So on our way out, she passes none other than our boy in baby blue, Prince Doan, who is sneaking in to try to see the survivor himself and get some answers about Hodam. Mm -hmm. But... He 
he is moments too late because the su survivor no longer survives when he goes in. Yeah. And we had just seen a man walking out mm -hmm. moments before. So Dohan goes to chase down the presumed murderer whom he had seen exit the building. Meanwhile, Heirung heads back to the Royal Investigation Office, ostensibly to try to sneak in. But on her way there, she stumbles across an unexpected sight. Maywa is there with a sword at his throat, having been caught by the murderer. She is shocked, but even more so when she hears Maywa declare that he is Doan, Prince of Joseon. Yeah. And end scene. And then really happy music <laughs> yeah. at the end. It's like cut <laughs> to him <laughs> with like <laughs> a sword to his throat and then it's just like happy music they like, haven't introduced the rest of the, the ost yet so <laughs> so yeah things yeah. seem to be really picking up and we are continuing this trend of cliffhanger endings any thoughts yeah. on this episode i don't want you you beautiful idiot yeah like why sure. are you gonna go after this man that you know murdered somebody yeah. follow him it's like you don't like, we don't know if you know any sort of combat at all to protect yourself. Yeah. Like, you are not subtle in the slightest. No. Like, <laughs> you're just going to go follow this man? Like, you're what like did wearing you bright blue as well. Yes, it's like, what did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. Ugh. He's really lucky that Heirung showed up. Yes, and I like how Heirung just, like, picked up this piece of wood. Yeah. And gonna, like, <laughs> she's like, I'm going to take him out. Beat this man. Yeah, because, like, we know she's been capable because mm -hmm. in that whole like brawl scene yeah, she yeah. was like kicking people in the nuts and like hitting people with books she can't yeah. do that to Doan though <laughs> <laughs> allegedly allegedly <laughs> episode 5 we pick up with Heirung discovering Meiwa trapped in a dark alley with a sword to his throat admitting that he is a prince of Joseon the prince asks his assailant if he thinks he can really kill a prince. The man doesn't back down, but at that moment, an arrow comes sailing in, distracting the attacker. We see it was fired by our ninja warrior woman slash Sambo's wife. And the assailant flees, and she chases him down. Heirun runs up to Meiwa to ask if he's okay, and he looks stunned. He faints in her arms. Poor Heirun looks genuinely very concerned, but just kind of whispers something name at him <laughs> while gently shaking him. I thought it was very funny that she was like, help! She was like, oh. I love I love how he just is like I saw him faint and oh it's a damsel. I'm it was faint. it was I'm a damsel. It was very sentimental in a way. Yeah. Like but also I am him in that am... in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> it was probably done the same thing. Understandable. Understandable. To be a little stressed <laughs> by almost dying. Having his sword held to your throat. <laughs> so badass ninja lady pursues the attacker and they fight. And I totally forgot about this scene, like, from the first time that I watched it, because it is one of the only instances of a fight scene and physical violence in this otherwise pretty low-key drama. So very much when it came up, I was like, this show has a fight scene? Yeah, I, get, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess it's the only one that has choreographed, like, yeah. a choreographed fight scene. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. I liked how it was between a woman and a guy. And oh, yeah. The lady. Oh, yeah. Also won the fight. Yeah, so she that's did. That's real nice. Doing some like chi blocking or something, Ty Lee style. Didn't she stick something in him? Yeah, I think it was like so his leg went dead, right? So I think it was like an acu acupuncture thing. Ooh. Yeah. Or it was. What if it was laced with something? I couldn't. Yeah, it could be either. I liked to think I that mean. she was Ty Lee, <laughs> and that she was just <laughs> using cool powers. <laughs> Heirang takes the prince slash Meiwa to her doctor friend, where he is unconscious and fissured. I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> So it begins. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. He 
Taerong takes the prince slash Meiwa to her doctor friend where he is unconscious and feverish. She seems very concerned for him and is also distracted by the sudden reveal that he may be a prince. The doctor says the prince is suffering from a key imbalance, which I think is just an old-fashioned way of saying he has a cold. I think he might just be very stressed. Yeah. Poor boy. We can't tell. The doctor also asks if the prince is Heirang's lover, so there's strike two on the mistaken for couple counter. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I love how he's so invested yeah. in, their rela- like, oh. in their supposed relationship. And I like how he's just like, He's very handsome. I know. <laughs> like everyone This just... man is so handsome. Have you locked him down yet? Everyone's just like, get no. it, Heron. I know. <laughs> so Heron goes to wipe the prince's forehead, but sadly she cannot as he's wearing an impractical headband, so unfortunately he dies due to overheating. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. Up and he's clearly shaken about what has happened and where he is. He leaves, but Heirong still worries for him. This was a cute scene because we get to see new sides of our characters. Mm-hmm. Like, Heirong acted particularly tender toward the prince, and I think it's because she got to see him without his arrogant and playful mask on, mm. and it, like, phases her. She seems to notice how vulnerable he is, which is sort of the opposite reaction you would expect a person to have when learning someone is royalty. Mm -hmm. But I do think it endears him to her for the first time. So I think, yeah, it's interesting to me that seeing his weakness Mm. seems to warm her heart. I, my notes just say, love how she's patting his head and she's just like, oh shit, he de prince and he heckin' handsome. (laughs) (laughs) Sudden revelation. (laughs) Hick and handsome. Hick and handsome. Can you tell we're from the south? Hick and handsome. At the same time, the SSC is talking with one of his fellow counselors about how he believes Prince Doan is a minion of the crown prince. Why else would he be an author of banned books? The prince has unassumingly entered the playing field. The SSC tells his goon to send a message to the trans- <laughs> chancellor of Royal College of Literature. Goon. <laughs> That's what he is. He's a goon. I found it really interesting mm-hmm. that the second state counselors first reaction to Doan was that he's just automatically working for the crown prince mm-hmm. and the second state counselor never takes the time to consider that Doan is working out of his own volition and mm-hmm. just happens to stumble upon this by himself mm-hmm. and she, he the second state counselor is just like oh he's automatically working for the crown prince I which i mean has basis because <laughs> Doan immediately goes to the crown prince after yeah that's happened but yeah he definitely takes it beyond that which i guess makes sense since he never he thinks everything's part of the game like everyone's always on this giant chessboard and you have to outmaneuver everyone so i don't think for even a second that ssc considers that someone could just be a nice kid doan reports back to the crown prince as you said about the man in black who he believed murdered the printing press survivor he lets slip that he had an altercation with the swordsman the crown prince is upset at doan's recklessness and tells him to not try to find out what the story of hodam is about which makes me think he knows something that was i wrote down that question do you think the crown prince knows what the book is about yeah because it makes me think that he knows something because if he didn't know anything about it he would have just told Doan, don't look into it. It could be dangerous for you. Like, we don't know what this is mm-hmm. about. Like, clarifications like that. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's just tells Doan, just don't do it. Yeah, and you can kind of tell his manner changes. Yeah. And says, oh, you know something for yeah. sure. Which is very interesting. Also, I thought it really interesting because suddenly the crown prince calls Doan Rima. And I was like, who's Rima? Why are you why why are you being called Rim? 
and then you you find out later that that's Doan's name. It's just ah. Uh. So I guess that's his. I don't know which one's which. I think Edim is his real name, and like Doan is his princely name. I well, I can't I think figure it out. It's because Heirang says it later that his full name is Doan Yi. Doan Yi Rim. Oh, oh. I guess so. Maybe like I don't is know. Doan like his prince name? Perhaps. Like, and then Rim is his like actual first name, name. Yeah. like Yudim or actual yeah. name, yeah. his first name. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand that. Any clarification? Yeah. That's helpful. Um, <laughs> names. <laughs> <laughs> Herang tries to find a picture of the prince in the record of appearance, but discovers he has none, so she can't confirm if Mewa really is Prince Doan. The other historian gals come in and ask, "Has she not heard about Prince Doan?" They share some spooky rumors about the prince being exiled to Noxodon because he's a monster-like creature covered in boils and that he's a murderous lunatic who would attack the servants. Mm. They also give us more details about just how isolated the prince is. Apparently, it's strange that he still lives in the palace and isn't married, and he also isn't allowed to attend any parties or functions held in the palace. Once again, sad hours are open as I think about how lonely this poor boy must I be. I know. Because, like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was coming up, I told you. <laughs> I thought you were just thinking about something really profound. <laughs> well, <clears throat> here's the profound thought after the belch. <laughs> I definitely think those rumors were spread by either the king or the second state counselor so that mm -hmm. nobody would assume that it was strange that they kept him in Notsodang. Yeah, I think that is a very good insight. And also to keep people away. Like, they that won't too. see what's going on with this prince. Because yeah. it's like, oh, God, he's a murderer. Yeah, they won't ask any questions. They won't. Either way. I mean, I think it was definitely, it's to the advantage and intentional yeah. by the SSC yeah, and so King. I think it may have been encouraged by people who know why he's actually there. Yeah. All of that being said, does the SSC know why he's actually there? Oh, <gasps> that is true. <laughs> Because I wonder if that kind of plays into also why the SSC is suspicious of Doan because he's like, well, why is this boy locked up? Like, why is this boy have an exception? I think he kind of under he he's on to something. Like, there's something going on here that I'm not part of. Mm, that's true. Oh, and then I I also had a note that I can't wait for the other historian girls to meet the prince and see that he is a beautiful man with a soft yes, heart because yes. i can just imagine how funny it will be to see them be shocked by how wrong the rumors are i know <laughs> which we do get later in this episode we're with the rest of the historians now officer young is upset now because he's been ordered by the chancellor of the royal college of literature to send the female historians to the inner palace to record the private lives of the royal family so this is what the SSC was after, a chance to spy on Doan. Interestingly, Officer Min jumps at the chance to send the ladies to the inner palace, almost as if he too wants to know the secrets of the inner court. Ooh. Sambo is freaking out at the female historians coming to Noxodong. <laughs> he wonders why are they being sent here when there are so many other princes, which, hold on, you're telling me there are more beautiful brothers in this family and we don't get to see any of them? <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Sambo tries to change clothes with Doan in case Heirang is the one who is sent to Noxodong, but Doan refuses, saying, I may be able to fool her again, but I shouldn't deceive our historians. Besides, I no longer wish to deceive her anyway. And it seems like a general change has come over him since he had the run-in with the attacker. I think the discovery of a plot around the story of Hodam has shaken and matured him, and he has an idea that something serious is going on, and I think he finally feels like he has a goal and a purpose beyond just hanging out in the palace. 
and this has given him a more serious side to his character. Hence why he no longer feels the need to harass Hayrong. Yeah. Also, I think after that whole incident, we really see a side of Doan that we hadn't really seen before. We'd gotten a glimpse into it whenever he came up with the question for the exam. But during that conversation with the crown prince, you really see how intelligent Doan actually oh, yeah, is. Yeah. Because he makes all these connections based on the bare minimum information that he has. Sorry. I just like punched the table <laughs> for <laughs> reference. Yeah. No, that is, I think that's extremely true. It's kind of like, whereas before he was kind of a, a boy just kind of messing around and trying to find entertainment wherever he has matured and I don't want to say he's become a man, but sort of he's, he's grown up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still so impressed that like he sees all these strange things happening around the palace, in the palace, like all the activities going on, all these strange incidences, and he automatically is like, it's because of the story of Hodom. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's at a very the center. It's it's a very intelligent assumption to make. Yeah, and I wonder if it does help that he is removed from palace life. Maybe so he kind of has this outside perspective. So Doan gets all gussied up in his royal robes to meet the historians. Heirong enters the prince's rooms and he has a strong reaction upon hearing that it's her. It's almost like he has to steel himself to facing her now that the game is off. I know. It seems like he's like nervous to meet her as a prince now. And Heirong sees that the prince is indeed Mewa and they both share a little moan with Heirong saying that she was hoping he wasn't the prince. That hurt me so bad. That was so sad. Oh really? I guess I didn't take it that emotionally. I guess I took it as she was just like, oh man, I've been a real dick to this guy. This isn't good. She was hoping he wasn't the prince because she was, I remember that conversation she had with Solgum saying that she thought she could be friends with him. Oh, oh yeah, there is that. Yeah, and so I think she was excited to have somebody to interact with that she was comfortable around and could joke with and like have these little spats with and it was just entertaining for her no you're right and she she does mention this later she does cite that specifically yeah yeah i took it as a comedy moment but i think you're more right (laughs) (laughs) comedy (laughs) awkwardness ensues as they both settle into their new formal relationship as prince and historian Doan tries to start a private conversation, but Heirong shuts him down as I'm only here as a historian. It's chilly in here. <laughs> also, during that scene, Doan's reading, and I thought he wasn't allowed to do that anymore. <gasps> you make an excellent point. So, is it that he's just not allowed to read fiction? I'm, I, I'm assuming that must be what it is. Yeah, but the king's decree was that Doan isn't allowed to read like any You're books. Right or write anything, or have any of those materials in his possession. Mm -hmm. But here he is, reading, and it's... Mm. So... Maybe... Is it all educational? Is yeah. It, is he only allowed to read educational you things? Because when he went to the library, Doan told the crown prince Y'all get that trouble. I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, maybe he is allowed to do it in front of the historians because they'll say what he's reading. I guess so. I don't know. That's a weird oversight because they don't mention it at all. No, they don't. Hmm. So, I thought that was really good observation. <laughs> Thank you. We find out that Sahi is assigned to the Crown Prince. Fate is definitely shipping this. Yep. And the Crown Prince has secretly sent aid to the flood victim. So we're definitely right about him being a revolutionary idealist. 
Apprentice O is being physically blocked from entering the Queen Dowager's chambers. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, inside, the Queen Dowager is meeting with someone, and we'd see it's the badass ninja lady, slash Sambo's wife, (laughs) who has, as of yet, gone unnamed. The Queen Dowager is plotting against the SSC, and she seems to really hate him, so it seems like the feeling is mutual there. I mean, understandable. Yeah. I kind of hate him, too. Yeah, it is. It's just, it was very interesting to see that it's the Queen Dowager who's, like, his biggest enemy. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Back at the Noxodong farm, Doan is reading silently and Heirang is writing, His Highness turned another page like 500 times, our little literalist. <laughs> <laughs> Update, things between the two are still just as awkward. Doan wonders what she possibly could be writing in there since he's literally just reading a book, but Heirang says she is not allowed to reveal what she has written. Poor Doan feels like he can't even speak for fear of having his every action recorded. Until he has an idea to bring up the fake Meiwa, who conned the poor innocent people out of their hard-earned money. He lists all the criminal actions Gu Heirung has committed, daring her to implicate herself by writing them down. We touched elbows. Our mischievous prince is back. (laughs) Heirung struggles as she tries to decide the right thing to do, but she is literally saved by the bell and quickly goes to leave. I thought that was really cute and really funny and so smart of him to yeah. finally get yes. that upper hand and be like, all right, you want to write down everything I say? Let's do it. Exactly. It's on. Exactly. Doan blocks her exit in that classic K-drama arm block. He tells her to stop putting on this formal act and that he has something to say to her. Heiderung bristles because she thinks he's going to command her to apologize for treating a prince like she has. And I definitely think she feels like she has been played a fool and doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. But the prince just says he wanted to thank her for not walking away and helping him the night before. He talks pretty formally to her and says he hopes they won't have any more ill-fated connections. He seems pretty downhearted and detached as he says all this, and I think it's because he really enjoyed messing with Heirung. She may have just been his first and only friend. <laughs> yeah. Why would you hurt me like that? And then it Wait. gets worse. Okay, go on, go on. I really liked that scene where Heirang immediately starts telling him, oh, you want my forgiveness? What more can I do to like get, get your forgiveness? I didn't know you were a prince and blah, blah, blah. And I like how Doan totally flips the script. Yeah. And tells her, no, I actually wanted to thank you. You don't need my forgiveness. And I was just like, I don't know. I just really loved that because Heirang, nine times out of ten, is right. But I just like in that one moment, she was wrong. Yeah. For a very sweet reason. Right. And I think it's it goes back to the maturity thing for both of them because this is really the first serious conversation they've had. And I think... Heirang kind of starts it out in the usual, like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, she's very sarcastic with it. Yeah. Like, okay, I see what you want here. Let's just get this over with. And he very seriously is like, no, I, I want to thank you. And I want to genuinely thank you. Yeah. And it's very sweet. And I think it, it's like a stepping stone in their relationship. But yeah, things get even sweeter because Heirang says, I thought we could be friends. And she looks so sad about it. I know. And I cry because, yes, bring on the friendship to lovers trope. We love it. Yes. <laughs> enemies to friends to lovers yes we love that's the, the trope the one trope that i think this show really embraces but it's yes. so, good. Ugh, so, so cute yeah and it made me think about how they don't really have any friends either of them and they were so excited to torment each other because they finally had someone who got just as much out of their relationship as the other person did yeah. and i don't remember that scene being so stinking cute but it I was know. and i just really went through it while watching it. i know same and I was thinking while Heirang was sitting there recording what Doan was doing, 
there the music in that scene was so pretty. I got like Pride and Prejudice vibes. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It was just there's so some good music in the show. Yes, Especially when that lady's like. <laughs> I love that song. That's my jam. <laughs> it comes on like at the end of every episode. Gets me every yes. time. It also comes on sometimes it's <laughs> really random. And you're just like, oh hello, hello, man. It's always the same part too, which I don't think is the beginning of the song. Just immediately right out of the gate, just me. I do think that's like a funny K drama thing that we don't really get in Western shows is that they have a really strong soundtrack and they have songs that are so strongly associated with it. Mm. You have that with movies a little bit here, but you don't movies. have that with shows. Except I, maybe the like the intro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like friends. But it's because I feel like with these kind of shows, it's or with K dramas, the intro isn't what you remember. Yeah, it's, no. it's the usually it's some lady yeah. singing out a ballad. Singers out there who are like dedicated OST singers. Ooh. I think that's so funny. We're not dedicated, but they're sort of known for singing on soundtracks for dramas. Interesting. And I think that makes it all the more fun. Yeah. It's it's inclusive. It goes beyond just yeah. visual element. Yeah, we mostly get that for movies here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, very iconically um like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Or, uh, or Spider-Man I mean, into the into the multiverse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What a soundtrack. Yeah. Or like how like Lizzo was in that Netflix movie and I think that kind of like <gasps> yes. really put her on the map. Oh no. Why are men great till they gotta be great. Hayden says that they started off on the wrong foot, but that it was nice to have someone to rely upon in this huge palace. So why did he lie? She leaves clearly hurt. We see Jae Kyung has accepted the SOC's job offer and is working at the palace now. He sees the mystery ninja woman walk by, and they have their own slow-mo K-drama moment. Do you think they ever had any romantic feelings at all? I was just about to say, like, I definitely get a romantic vibe from those two. Yes. Because we find out later in the episode, like, they know each other. Mm-hmm. And the reason she says she doesn't kill him is because she once adored him as... A brother, but I'm very, I don't know, I get more than just those vibes from yeah, the two Yeah, for them. sure. Especially because we got the slow-mo moment. Yes. And they're, did they get their own this song? Life. I don't know. I don't know. But they definitely, yeah, they got a slow-mo, they got a slow-mo movement. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. They got a slow-mo moment and they got their, their own little ballad in the background. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I definitely, I got, I got romantic undertones too. And I should mm. because I just want something good for Jake Young. Uh, me too. I want him to have a, a lovely lady to go home to. Or a lovely man, whatever he likes. Yeah. <laughs> or just his alcohol. <laughs> he seems to just go home to that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> whatever floats his boat, we're fine with. We just want him to be happy. We do. He's a good boy. Jae Kyung asks around about the mystery woman and finds out that she is Sambo's wife. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Cut to Officer Young being mad about the quality of the female historian's work. It seems they all had a tough day on the job. We do find out that they have been there for a little more than a month, so that's helpful for keeping track of how time is passing. We find out that Heirang volunteered to go to Noksadong instead of Apprentice Ho, and they were so worried about her facing the monster prince on her own. The other female historians reason that if Heirang made it out okay, he must not be a lunatic, but just covered in boils, so they ask how horrific he looked. Heirang denies it and goes on about how handsome he is, although I think it's without realizing it entirely. It's very sweet of her to defend him and help to clear his reputation, despite her being peeved with him at the moment. I think she would have jumped at the chance to mess with his reputation even an episode ago, but now that she has seen how vulnerable he is, she she feels more of a responsibility to support him. Yeah. 
It's fine. I just think about how lonely he must be and it makes me sad. It is really sad because I think it kind of comes on slowly because he mm-hmm. does bear it quite well at the beginning and it's yeah. like he seems very fun and he's like, I'm so excited to go out. Like, he he seems like such like a, a innocent child or like a puppy yeah. or something. And so yeah. like you see everything through his tinted glasses until all mm-hmm. of a sudden you realize how isolated he is and that he really does not have anyone besides Sambo. I know. And I guess his two court ladies. And sometimes, whenever the crown prince has time. That's true. But I almost feel like in some ways the crown prince, it doesn't mean to, but I think he some ways makes it worse. Because mm. it's like he is everything that Doan wants to be. <laughs> it really hurts. Also, it's worth noting that Heirang does get a kick out of telling the girls that the prince is mildly ill-tempered. So, got him. Yeah. She still had to yeah. get some sort of dig at him. Yeah. At least. Which is like, um pot call on the kettle there <laughs> right <laughs> back at noxodong prince doan is very obviously thinking of Heirong and doing the old she loves me she loves me not <gasps> to a poor yes. flower oh my gosh i thought that too okay oh. <laughs> sambo gets really mad he's like leave that flower alone <laughs> i know I, I thought it was so funny and he comments on how he feels doan may be going through something that is beyond his grasp which is another unik low blow <sighs> so dumb <laughs> Because at the very first episode, he says that line that contradicts what Doan says about Unuk's, because he's like, yeah. "Am I like, am I not a man still?" Yeah. Or like, blah blah blah. To he's like, "I've love. had, I've had love and yeah. romance." Yeah. And not to mention that he has a wife, so he knows a hell of a lot yes. more than you do, Doan. Yes. <laughs> not that but Doan said that. I definitely think that marriage isn't for love. I don't think so, and I, I, I still don't understand, and. Every time it comes up, it seems like everyone's like, an Unuk's wife. So it doesn't seem like it's a normal thing either. No. I'm so. wondering if it's something that maybe happens, like, if you have an unmarried woman who's older, and it's like they just need to get with it, get rid of her somehow. So, like, an Unuk will support I wonder, her? I don't know. I wonder if it's a way so that she can get into the palace. Oh, I think that's her reason. But I'm just wondering what the general public thinks. Oh, I don't know. Like, is that a thing? Like, was that a thing? Like, did Unuk's actually have wives? I don't know. But I definitely think... It was a marriage of convenience, and that Sambo's in on whatever the Agreed. queen yeah. dowager's doing, and so she was like, "You're gonna marry this Unuk, and so that you can get in and out of the palace without anybody raising any eyebrows, mm-hmm. and so. that you have some kind of protection and place to go." Yeah. Jaekyung goes to Sambo's house to see the mystery lady, but can't bring himself to knock on the door. He has tears in her in his eyes as he looks at her. What is the relationship between these two? And this is where I was like, I'm getting ex-lover's vibes. Yes. And he was able to find her so easily. There's yeah, no way that's safe. That's true. Because we know that people are looking for her, and it's like, yeah. he found her so easily. He just had to ask a couple questions and found her. That's true. There's... Like, there's no way that's safe. There's no way that's smart. I'm trying to figure out some way to reason how the S... Well, I guess she hasn't really come on the SSC's radar quite yet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you make a really good point. Mm-hmm. Her. They didn't think that through. Damn, well. it. There's a lot of flat holes going on. <laughs> the king is getting mad at the SSC and saying he is getting old and lost his old sharpness, which is just so annoyingly funny, since he's the one who is so obviously being tugged around on a string. Yes, yes. Also, I really love what the king is wearing in this scene what is he wearing he's wearing this pink outfit with like gold stitching on like the front and the back oh and he has the gold thing over his bun 
Oh, I know. I like when a, they have the pink. little pin. I don't know. He just looks so nice in pink. I think everybody in the show looks really Pretty nice in, in pink. pink. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and so I was really mad when I was looking at him. I was just like, I just really like what you're wearing. You look so good. <laughs> Clothes make it the man, I guess. Mm-hmm. The SSC asked the king if he remembers a slave girl named Moa who studied foreign medicine at Soreron. Sorewan? Who studied foreign medicine at Sorewan? I'm so glad you're finally having trouble pronouncing some of this stuff because I felt so alone. <laughs> that one has so many vowels. Yeah, Sorewan? Yeah. Sorewan? As she was known for using strange medicine to bring people back from the brink of death, the SSC believes she is the one who rescued the surviving man from the printing press. Now we know the name of our mystery ninja lady! Yee! The king gets very upset and calls Moa a traitor and orders soldiers to find and arrest her. So what is Sorewan and what happened that makes these two so mad? I feel like it must be connected to the story of Hodam as most everything seems to be. Mm-hmm. I literally didn't listen to anything you said, but... <laughs> Good. Her name is Moa. What does that remind you of? Mewa? Yeah. I didn't think about it until I watched the next episode where I, when I was taking my notes. Uh-huh. And I was like, Mowa. Because I was like having to write down her name a lot. And I was like, that sounds a lot like Mewa. Hmm. Not that like names in the show can't sound similar or yeah, anything yeah, yeah. like that. No, but it is an but, interesting coincidence. Mm, where did you get this name Mewa from? Mm. Did you maybe hear the name Moa somewhere? was just like i'm gonna call this person Mera. that's interesting yeah we'll see if she's connected yeah the ssc advises that they wait for moa to show herself through her abilities and without getting approval from the king sends the king's eunuch to bring the chief royal secretary i thought that was a very interesting Ooh. moment because the king disagrees and is like you need to go after her and the ssc just kind of shuts him down is like no we're waiting go get and like he orders the king's eunuch and i thought that was a real interesting shift of power right there because i would have thought the king's eunuch would be like uh, no, I don't answer to you, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. Just shows, again, Where's, who's really yeah. in charge of who. Yeah, and it's kind of embarrassing to see how many people know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. The next day, Doan is excited for Herong to return, but it's Apprentice O instead. Mm-hmm. Herong is with the crown prince, who seems very proud and happy that she has become a female historian. He then says, I need to read a book today. The crown prince asks Heirang about Prince Doan since he heard she had gone to Noxadong yesterday. Heirang says he just read books all day and the crown prince laughs, saying he isn't used to interacting with people, which like, we get it. Leave this poor awkward Drag boy him. alone. I feel like every time the show is like has an opportunity, they're like, this kid, he's so alone. No one likes him. It's like, yeah, roast him. Even the show does. The crown prince then stands up, which like, what happened to reading your book? I know. <laughs> This was me with every assignment in school, though. I was like, well, read five seconds. Let's go. <laughs> like, I deserve a break. <laughs> and tells Heirang to follow. So during this scene when he's like, I need to read this book so you can rest easy, she watches him with a very endeared look on her face. She does. And and I'm just, everybody's just a little in love with the crown prince. Oh, like, yeah. I feel yeah. it. Everyone. I just feel everyone is just slightly in love with him. And it's a mood. We know. We know how you feel. But I like hearing it every time. So they go play archery in a pretty gazebo and Prince Doan is there and he definitely notices Heirang is there. His lovesickness takes hold and he goes to show off for her, Sambo cheering him on. He fails miserably and everyone laughs, which is so mean. Yeah. So he tries to play it off and challenges Heirang to see if she can do better. Well, of course, I don't know why I continuously just try to hold the computer in the weirdest way. 
That's why I was like, do you need something to like oh, rest? I just leave it on my lap. I'm just being weird. I guess because I feel like I want to like be able to turn. She's like, holding it like on her shoulder. Like, and, like to lean it. <laughs> Well, because I like, I don't want to look at it by turning, like if I turn my face away, I'm, I don't know. You could set just on your lap right here and just lean ever so slowly. It doesn't fit. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we're good now. We're good now. <laughs> He tries to play it off and challenges Heirang to see if she can do better. Well, of course she can, because the show doesn't allow poor Dawan to be good at anything, really. <laughs> it's the handicap for having a face like that, which isn't <laughs> fair, because Cha Eun is good at everything. <laughs> is he, though? He's, he has... What? Oh. He dances like a dad. But he's still good at dancing. He's still, it's like a good dad dancing. <laughs> Prince Dawan tries to keep Heirang from recording his embarrassment in the history books, but alas, he shall be remembered as a terrible archer and whiny loser. The crown prince tells Doan to not be so hard on Heirang since it was Doan who picked her, which is kind of a weird thing to say, like very cattle-like. And Heirang is struck by this, clearly wondering what that meant. Back at Noxodong, Sambo isn't helping as he keeps reminding the prince just how embarrassing that was. And I'm only com- including this because Doan shoots him an angry look and my gosh, it is a look. This is why everyone makes you angry boy because you give them that look. And then I just wrote woof. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! So, Heirang comes to Noxodong to see Doan, but the prince is obviously not too excited to see her. She wants to ask about what the crown prince meant when he said that Doan had picked her. Doan says he doesn't know, and that if he did have the power to choose, she definitely wouldn't be there. Heirang, darling, get better with your timing. <laughs> it's like, what a terrible time to be like, hey, I need this favor from you. Oh, yeah. Heirang goes to leave, but Doan suddenly remembers that he did tell the crown prince that if he sees a strange woman who is as stubborn as an ox and is as courageous as a general, then he should hire her as a historian. Heirang does not like hearing this, but the prince says, no need to thank me, and pieces out real quick, ostensibly before she can gain the upper hand again. There's a really cute scene where the prince keeps smiling and Sambo keeps almost catching him because the prince is barely able to keep a straight face and then he lets out the scream as soon as Sambo leaves the room and it's so delightful. Sambo comes back. Yeah. It's so delightfully immature. Like, it it did not need to be remarked upon. It was just so cute. It was such a scene. Not write it down. We find out that today is the first payday for our female historians. Hooray! Get that bread, you working gals. The girls go to collect their pay, but Heirang notices something is off. Rather than the government officials themselves collecting the pay, they've sent clerks to get it for them. A government official who knows the man in charge of handing out stipends even cuts the line in front of the girls with his clerk. The result is the coffers run out before the girls can collect their pay, and they are told to come back next month. The man running the show says he doesn't know that female historians got paid at all. Oh my gosh. But either way, they've run out of rice, so come earlier next time, even scolding them for being lazy. The girls are upset, especially Apprentice O. I know. Which I think is perfectly understandable. I can't imagine if my job was just like, yeah, we're not going to pay you this month and not even apologize for it. That's insane. Also, they get paid in rice. Yeah, I really, really tried to look up something about this. I couldn't really find if that was normal, but I guess it just makes sense that you'd get paid in something that's a common commodity. Because they also have money. I know. But I, I, I guess that's just how... Because they also call it a stipend. So mm. I wonder if it's like you get maybe like a yearly pay and then maybe a monthly stipend in rice. And then I guess they could either they eat the rice or they could resell the rice. I don't know. I really... I tried to look this up so much. So if anybody has any information, I could not yeah. find anything about people. I found like one reference where it was like female physicians would get paid in rice, but it didn't really mm. explain why. I also thought that was interesting. Apparently, it's been a lean year, which makes me wonder why they hired more people then. Since the SSC insisted on hiring female historians, I feel like he should be in charge of making sure they get paid. I definitely think that 
that's an excuse. No, it is. Yeah, I think it gets it's revealed more later. It's a lame year, and it's like, no, it's not. Yeah. The reason Apprentice O is especially upset is because she had to take out a loan for the hazing ritual since she doesn't come from a rich family. Oh, which is so sad. Yeah, it is. Some of the male historians drunkenly enter the restaurant where the girls are sitting, and Heron gets them to treat the group. They're celebrating that one of the historians, Chiguk, got his full stipend for his first time ever. This does not help with the girls' mood. But they soon catch on to the larger conspiracy. Basically, you ain't getting paid unless you hire an, an assistant clerk and become close with one of the officials. So basically, you have to pay someone to get your money that you bribed someone else to get. And it's a real corrupt process, to say the least. The male historians brush this off as a custom, and customs are much harder to change than the law. Heidong, of course, does not look like she can accept this, perhaps because she knows a thing or two about harmful customs and going against them. Again, such an Enneagram one. <laughs> <laughs> this is wrong! Well, I saw it wrong, and I must write it. This whole, the whole rest of the episode and the next one is very, more on that later. Did you, did you relate? Mm, I mean, yes. I mean, I think, I, I feel like we all can. Yeah. But exactly. it's also, you can see from the outside perspective that it's like, Hirang, think. Yes. Think. <laughs> I think she thinks everything's too black and white. Oh, yeah. She doesn't oh, see yeah. big picture very well no. at all. She's like, mm -hmm. I see this thing that's wrong i'm going to call it out and write it and it's like it's not that simple right so and so yeah it's hard because it's like you can't get mad at her because you're like oh yes hang on you're right like I, I i like what you're doing but yeah it's not that simple mm -hmm. the ssc is reading sahi's notes from the palace we see the tone the two don't get along superbly as sahi tries to give her opinion and the ssc dismisses her on her way out, she meets Officer Min, who is suspicious of why she would be there, but Sahi tries to play it off. Officer Min is clearly not convinced and warns Sahi to be careful, as a historian should not build personal relationships. They could end up backfiring in the end, which this could apply to more than one person in this show. It feels like foreshadowing. Yeah. Also, I was really sad with this scene because I feel like Sahi has had so much character development, or we've seen more of her. Yeah. And so... I started to like her a lot more and then we find out that she's working for the SSC and now I'm sad and it's like I was starting to like you why, why, yeah. why are you doing this which Ugh. yeah I have a lot to say about Sahi but we'll talk about it next episode because that's when more mm. happens with her mm -hmm. the next day at the office of royal decrees an official comes in to reveal that Herong wrote a petition to ban the recruitment of assistant clerks mm. everyone is with her because she is messing with something so big that affects thousands of people. Everyone in the Office of Royal Decrees could have been fired if the king had read her petition. The official tells Heirang, you already crossed the line by entering the palace when you're nothing but a woman, so Ugh. the least you can do is try your best to not cause trouble. Officer Min gets mad at the guy and tells him to be careful with his words, which you go, yes. Yes. Love Call that him moment. out. Yeah, he was just like, stop. Like, you were in my house. Shut up. Yes. <laughs> it was great. The man says all the historians are weak-hearted fools and pokes Heirong in the forehead. So, like, the man crossed quite a few lines. And, yes. like, everyone was very stunned by yes. him doing that. After the official leaves, Heirong demands to know what she did wrong. She says, I noticed an irregularity and I only asked that things be set right. Basically, she is at a loss for why this is such a big deal. And this is upsetting her as she looks very close to crying. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, Officer Yang starts to go after Heirong for only thinking of herself. But the rest of the historians hold him back. It seems like they aren't happy with Heirong, but they sympathize with her and respect her enough now to appreciate why she is upset. In this scene, when Heirong's getting yelled at about her petition, it very much reminded me of her argument with 
Jake Young, Which where one? he's he's talking to her about when she asks when she first meets Officer Min and is like, "What mm, is on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to yes. read these documents." Blah blah blah. And Jake Young's just like, "Who who are you to like cause all this trouble?" Blah blah. blah. Like, why does it have to be you? And she's like, "Why why can't it be me?" And so when she's here, this guy comes in and is like, who are you to raise this kind of trouble? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that stands in her, as her character, her being like, why can't, why can't it be me who raises this trouble when yeah. there's a wrong going on? Also, I liked how during this altercation, the historians slowly gather around Heirang, like yeah, behind they her, do. and they're all just like, um... You're yelling at one of our historians, like she's part of us. You're not. Yeah, that and when that guy like pokes her, they're like, "Whoa, get out!" Like yeah. you've crossed a line. Yeah, but like she's one of ours. Yeah, but, but they're I... so mad at her, and it makes. <sighs> well, but it's like it, it makes sense to me. It's yeah. like it's kind of like I can pick on my sibling, but you can't. Yeah, <laughs> like that kind yeah. of feeling. So it's cute in its own way, and I, I yeah. liked your connection to that fight with Jake Kyung because I. Yeah. Like, that time he warned her, like, hey, like, you got away with this this time because we came and helped you and you had people by your side, but this isn't going to serve you. And this is exactly, this is the payoff for that moment yeah. of she she did the same thing. She didn't learn her lesson, and now she's having to pay the price. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I thought it was an interesting scene overall. Not anything super new. Heirang is very Heirang in that she seems she sees something that she thinks is categorically wrong so of course she tries to fix it but she doesn't think of the overall larger context yeah. it's basically what the crown prince warned her of uh, and i'm sympathetic with her and part of me cheers her on but also i hope she learns that being the loose cannon doesn't always work when you're part yeah. of a group she's yeah. very she she thinks individually and it's yes. like we love her for being an individualist but it also isn't good when you have people who rely on you yeah, she's, she very much doesn't think of the consequences to her actions, like the bigger picture. She only thinks that if I call this out or if I change this thing, that it's just going to get better. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, she's she's very and much an like, idealist. Yes, and it's, no, that doesn't always happen. Which I think that's kind of the more interesting part of this scene is she's tried so desperately to be part of this group of historians and she's mm -hmm. so excited that she's finally accepted as a group and they actually defend her here and she is, but it, it's her who has betrayed them this time. Mm -hmm. She's not helping the rest of the group. Yeah. So she, she has a ways to go too. I kind of like any scene that, I don't want to say knock, knocks Heirang down, but she she has so many triumphant moments that it yeah. is nice to see that, you know, she's still a good person, absolutely, but yes. she has her flaws. Yes. It makes her a very good, well-rounded, thought-out character mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because she's not just scientifically minded. She's many things. She's also she's also tender. Does that make any sense? No, <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't know why I laughed at the way you said tender. <laughs> tender. I just like how she, they've created her character. Yeah, she makes it because she. I think she's definitely she's the heart of the outside, soft of the inside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The prince is being sad, puppy, because his friend Heirang isn't coming to visit him today. <laughs> he finally. <laughs> He finally sees her walking up, and he gets super excited and goes to play it cool as she comes in. He starts to harass her a bit, but when she doesn't respond with the usual banter, he wonders what's happening. He can tell by her face that something happened, which means he's a man who can actually read the room, which is a rare find. Yes. <laughs> and asks her what it was. Heirang says nothing happened, and then breaks down into tears. The prince gives her the most wonderfully sympathetic look, yeah. and walking past her, so his back is to her, tells her she can cry. No one comes here, so no one will hear her. So you can cry out loud. It's okay. And so the prince leaves the room, and Heirang cries. 
and then we realize he was lying. Someone does hear her tears. (laughs) (laughs) End of episode five. That was, it was such a sweet moment. It was so good. But also, it made me so sad for him, because it's almost like he's saying it from experience. (gasps) But yeah, so it's almost like he's saying that from experience. It is that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. now that you say that, that does make perfect sense. And it is that maturity of him of, like, he sees that feeling in her. And he's like, I've been there. Like, I know how this feels. So I'm just going to let you go yeah. through it. But he hears her tears. So oh, she's my not gosh. Alone. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what that noise was. It's just, ah, he's so, he's such a good boy. Yeah, like, shout out to the prince for acting so wonderfully during her time of need. Yes. Because I just love how he doesn't push Haerung for what happened yeah. or try to make it better. It shows an extra sensitivity and maturity to him yeah. that he understands sometimes you just need a good cry. Yeah. And like, boy, was that a good cry. Yeah. So, so it was like, it was underplayed and it was beautifully done. One of my favorite scenes yet, if not mm-hmm. my favorite. Mm-hmm. It was a good scene. Thoughts on the episode? It was good. It had a lot of good moments. Mostly, I just felt sad for Doan. <laughs> I know it was like the episode where it's like, hey, this boy is sad. <laughs> Yeah, I thought there was kind of a lot of faffing about in the middle and, like, Mm. stuff that, like, it was leading to something bigger, but didn't really, it wasn't super interesting. I I think those standout moments are the beginning and the end. Yes. Because we get to see, at the beginning, we get that change where we see Doan be vulnerable finally, Mm -hmm. and that really changed how Heirang sees him. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, we get kind of the opposite moment where Heirang becomes super vulnerable in front of Mm -hmm. him, and that kind of changes the way he sees her, and I think... The way that connects Ooh, and cycles through. Yeah. I definitely sentiment. think they're friends now. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So. I definitely think Doan has some feelings that he's oh, not. yeah. I don't think he knows, reconciling. though. No. I, mean, I think he vaguely knows, but, but he, he's never had a crush. I think he's <laughs> choosing to kind of ignore them. I think so. Thank you for listening to the Dramatized Podcast. We will see you next time with episode six and seven. Woo. And until then... Don't get traumatized by the dramatized. Yay!